Welcome to the Q. Conversations in digital media. This podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media. Digital campaign execution and optimization since 2004. Our next episode is queued up and ready to roll. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Q, everyone. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media. Q1 Media partners with agencies and brands all across the nation for all their digital marketing needs, whether it's CTV, OTT, location-based, mobile device ID targeting, gotta be super precise with all that, uh, search engine marketing, targeted display, research and data, whatever it is, Q1 Media can help with your marketing efforts please check out Q1 Media's website at q1media.com. That's the Q number one media.com. You you can view case studies or just reach out to us if you ever have anything need, or you can check out episodes of the podcast on on our website at q1media.com. Today we had a great guest. Her name is Patricia Buckholtz. She's the co-founder and partner of Look, Think, Make, which is a PR, a, uh, basically all-around, full-encompassing brand marketing advertising agency uh, that did started years ago. Um, and Patricia is actually a local Austinite. She's a Texas State, uh, Southwest Texas uh, Bobcat uh, grad, which I was happy to see here, another alumni. Go Bobcats, eat them up. But uh, she actually got her start in the dot-com space and then worked within the real estate space for many years. And it being in Austin, she was able to see so much growth, uh, work on many opportunities and big developments that are pretty well known within the Austin area. And her wealth of knowledge within that space is just very, very vast. Uh, So it was an interesting conversation about growth, uh, development, how do you market to... Uh, people and how do you change the community's perception of a big development when it's being come in and, and taking over your city? So it's a very interesting conversation. I know you all enjoy it. Uh, this is Patricia Buchholz. You're in the queue. Thanks, Patricia, for joining us here on the queue. I hope uh, the traffic wasn't too bad and the the heat isn't getting you down too bad here in Austin. No, it's a beautiful drive. It's always a beautiful day in Austin, <laughs> Texas. Traffic is fine. It's always. Never bad. It's never bad. You had to come across town too, so from the east to west side, which can take an hour. You can now take 183 north to Mopac. You can do a turnaround in Gateway. Is that the Waze? The Waze will tell you yes. to go. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the ways up. <laughs> did you get some? Uh, what are the candy or whatever? You go through all the neighborhoods. I did not get any candy. candy. I did not go one. through anything. Nope, nope. That's and it, but it did tell me that I was a, now a wazer enough to share my mood if I would like to on the road. Share your mood. Yeah, rage with other all drivers. The time. Is it like I don't know? I've never, I've never used ways. The but only Google way Maps I kn- uses ways. So you Google Maps, util, it owns ways. That's lovely. If only it would actually use it then, because all of the construction on 183 also means that uh, Google Maps didn't know. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So I got really screwed trying to pick up my kids one time. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, you can say screwed. It's a podcast. <laughs> can I say all the bad words? <laughs> There's like a sign yes. my friends want. We want to get tattooed that says... Um, what does it say? It's like a Hogwarts type of symbol that says, I solemnly swear... All the time. Oh uh, yeah, that's uh, that's. I solemnly swear to be up to no good. Yeah, yeah, ho- but it was. Yeah, I solemnly swear all the time. <laughs> Every time you swear, we're gonna have to take a little bit off of your time. So that's like it'll be. We'll just keep decreasing the time. It'll be like a game show. Like, what type of game show do you like? No, no, no game shows. 
<laughs> no, I'm more of like the Blues Brothers type where the nun hits the, like they're sitting there and they're talking to the nun yeah. and they're trying to figure out if she can um, help, if how they can help her or how that's going down. And then he swears and she hits him and that makes him swear again. And so she hits it and then they both start swearing. And so she's just like, it's like a huge scene. That is my life. And my kids are only just now old enough. They're eight and nine years old. So they're only just now old enough that I think maybe I could even cuss in front of my children these days. Yeah, they can get started young. I mean, they're already hearing it on the, on, do they ride the bus now? They do. They, they ride do. the bus and so it's already they, at school. And they and already know that. A little bit in, in shows. Um, but what I'm realizing is that they, ha they have discernment. Now, that doesn't mean that they make good judgment, but they do have the ability to, to discern if a grown-up is listening to them or not listening to them. Mm. And so they will choose if they should cuss or not cuss. They have not figured out that grown-ups can overhear as the real problem. So yeah, I've allowed cussing to my home. That's good. We'll just make I sure finally this feel is like thing myself. Gonna be, this is gonna be our first explicit rated podcast. I I'm not gonna do that here. <laughs> I don't want Q1 to go down in flames no. just because I decided to drop the F bomb twenty seven times on a, on it a podcast. It would be great. It would be great. Inappropriate. No, provides, that is inappropriate. Clarity. Uh, so you are from Austin. You're yes. a unicorn, just like myself. I'm a unicorn. Congrats. Yes. Nice yes. to meet you. Nice to meet Hi. you. Hi. Hi, other. I always wonder what it. Shiny person. I know. I should have done the the uh, what are the bronies? The brony kids. No, the... that's that's totally inappropriate too. <laughs> yeah, like that's no. Do no, kid, do we kids, don't do your, that. I guess your kids eight and nine, but are they into My Little Pony? Is that no. a thing? And okay. that was never going to be a thing, even if they wanted it to be a yeah. thing. That was like 100% not going to happen. But there's kids 16 years old that are dressing like ponies. I'm super sorry. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I mean, every, not that there's anything wrong with that. No. Yeah. Is that what you're supposed to say? Yeah. But <laughs> no judgment it is zone. Austin and it's, it's already My weird. My kids dress as something completely different. <laughs> My son went as a vampire ninja for Halloween, and my friend said, I always wanted to be a vampire, and I always wanted to be a ninja, and I couldn't figure out which one I should do. Your son is brilliant. He just did both in one costume. Yes. Well, he's a trendsetter. Rock star. <laughs> Absolute rock star. So you grew up here in the northwest side of Austin. How has it grown up in Austin? I mean, you've seen it change quite a bit. I was going to ask unicorn. you the same thing. I know. It's been crazy. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is... Um, Seeing the skyline, obviously. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. So, one time, a, a land far, far away called Austin, Texas, back when it was all hippies, and I was probably like 10, let's say. And elementary school takes you on a field trip, and we went to Barton Springs. And I don't know if it was school or if it was like YMCA camp or what was happening, but we went to Barton Springs. And um, I remember going into the women's bathhouse. And do you know about the women's bathhouse? I've heard about it. In Barton Springs? I wouldn't know about it. Okay, so do you know the song, There's a place in France where the naked ladies dance. There's I'll a hole believe, in the wall where the men can <laughs> see it all. Okay, that was like a song that was like, I'm, I'm eight or ten years old. That song is rolling around. I'm at Barton Springs. I go into the women's bathhouse. The women's bathhouse is, yep, it's lockers and all that stuff, but it's a, it's a courtyard. It's grass in the middle. It's open air. It's a wall all the way around, and it's where you sunbathe nude. Huh. And I'm, I'm a kid, and I walk in, and I'm like, whoa, there's a thousand naked ladies in here, right? Like, but I didn't remember where Did I was. Did you say it out loud like no, that? No, it's all blood, you know, all those, like, <laughs> explosions in my head and stuff. So you don't, you don't stay, you know, yeah. you're like, go to the bathroom or whatever, and you go back and you swim. But um, you know how, like, when your parents would drive you around, you wouldn't necessarily know where you were? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't, you don't. Yeah, you, you don't like, know. go visit your a place. Time, and you, time and travels irrelevant. It's all very different yeah. when you're when you're a kid. Well, I grew up in Northwest Austin, 
over kind of by Anderson High School. And like going to Barton Springs was not like a thing that I did. It was a field trip once in school. It's mm -hmm. not like a place that I went to. I didn't really know about it. Time goes on. You grow up. You go on a date with a guy and you're in college and you go to Barton Springs and you're spending some time and whatever. And you go into the ladies' bathhouse and all of these memories come flooding back to you. That is the first time when you were a little kid that you saw like a ton of naked bodies and you're like, oh my God. And your mind is scarred you for no, life. I had no idea where it was. And there I was. I was like, oh. This is that place that I went to that's, so long ago. That's yeah. crazy. It took you that long to go back to it, though. That's Yeah, weird. I know. That's like kind of absurd in real yeah, life. Yeah, considering, I mean, I didn't go to a lot as a kid. I don't think my parents took me as a kid. We did definitely do Zilker the Train, and you know, that stuff was... You know, Ours the, was like Auditorium Shorts. We would go, yeah. we would go and um, I don't know if that's what it was called back then, but uh, for the fireworks. Yeah, yeah. That was, and the symphony. Yeah, every year. That yeah. Was, eh, they still do it. Yeah, it's good. I love Kite it. Kite festival I, was always a thing. I didn't, I didn't do it a lot as a kid, but that was. That I was, was like, I'm like suburbs, the arboretum. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a cool right, scene. like basically across the highway from the arboretum. Yeah. So when that all went in, that was like teenage mecca for all of us. Yeah. I mean, that was. I mean, when Barton Creek Mall, <laughs> that was kind of a cool spot for all the mm -hmm. high school kids to hang mm -hmm. out. Or actually, I used to hang out on the drag, thinking I was cool, like going to the vintage shops. Do you remember the Cadeau? Ah, uh, no, I don't remember that one. That was my favorite place in the history of ever. I thought it was the coolest thing to be able to see all of these, like, I don't know, beautiful, beautiful gifts, uh, weird art, all this kind of stuff that was done in this really, really beautiful place and a neat French name. And at the time, I didn't know that I was going to take French and, and have that as a degree or a major. I just liked it. And I did the same thing. Go to the drag, think you're cool, go into neat boutiques and neat shops that other people would like to. And you're just like, you like I grew up in the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're acting like you're going to school there. You're, yeah, you're, like, you're cool. like, cool. I'm a cool guy. I know something <laughs> I could say, Hey, to the, to the people that are just like sitting on the sidewalk on the drag. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's many, That's many funny. homeless and now they're camped out. There's camping, uh, camping out there. <laughs> Austin's changed so much. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually the same thing. It's just all relative. Bigger. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned going to college and dating somebody and that may not have been the best first date. You probably came out <laughs> running and he was like, Oh no! no. Uh, I gotta save this girl. Uh, so you went to not school not too far from here, and a fellow Bobcat, Texas State. Isn't that funny? SWT. It's funny to meet an Austinite and a Bobcat. Alan, why did you go there? I oh man, me. I'm the, I'm supposed to be the one answering the question. I'm still question, curious. Uh, I went there because the journalism program was really good, okay. and I knew I could get experience, and it wasn't as expensive. I, yes, that was something that price was definitely a. a, a a consideration factor. Okay, yeah, so for me too. So I was going to, so I graduated um, high school from LBJ. So Science mm -hmm. Academy nerd, super yeah. nerd here. Ap like avid nerd. And where, <laughs> like when you go to, to school in high school and there's like a clique of kids that um, speak Elvish and yeah. wear capes and like quote- Lord of the Rings. All the Lord of the Rings <laughs> books all the time. Uh -huh. and, and you know, there might be some kids in high school and there's like two or three of them and like everybody makes fun of them. And at LBJ, like all of the kids, it felt like were like that. All of the outcasts from all of the other schools go to the magnet program where Elvish can be spoken freely. <laughs> I, they I, have didn't, a I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But, um, but that was more commonplace. It's like nerds unite. Mm -hmm. And I was going to go to the University of Tulsa and Oklahoma for engineering and for environmental engineering and even with scholarships and even with everything out of state tuition was just too expensive. Yeah. And so I had missed, assuming that I was going to do that and go there. Um, I didn't apply to all the other places that I could. And my brothers went to Southwest Texas. It was Southwest Texas back in the day. Yeah, of course. And, um, 
And I thought, okay, like I can go there. And it's far enough because it's still a little bit of a drive for you, but yeah. you're not yeah. too close. And it's beautiful and the campus is gorgeous and the whole thing is great. And I decided, uh, I, I, I met a boy that was not at Texas State. The guy that Southwest took you Texas. to the Barton Springs? Nope, 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 oh, nope. Totally different guy. Different guy. Um, and I decided to go to UT for a little while to be closer to him in Austin. And uh, all of you Longhorns, I'm sure that this is going to offend you, but UT is was too big for me. It was too bureaucratic. It was too hard to get in, get classes for, and get back out of. If you didn't, if you wanted to be there, it was hard to get in. If you didn't want to be there, it was hard to get out. And it was such a pain. And I called Texas State back up and I said, hi, this is Patricia O'Donnell at the time, Buck Holtz now, and said, can I please, for the love of God and all that is holy, just come back to your school? And they were like, what's your social? And I gave it to them and they said, yep, here's your code. Register for classes. We'll see you in two weeks. And that is all that it took to get back. Hey, Pulse and a six pack was the admission back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, <laughs> blessings be upon us all. <laughs> yeah. And then I graduated there first time with a French degree and second time with an international business degree. That's awesome. Loved and, it. Yeah. And you were at Texas State. Yes. Southwest Texas too. graduated with a French degree and, and Texas State University. I graduated with my international business degree. Two different diplomas. Two different schools. Two yeah. Different schools. Two different schools. Yes. Two different it diplomas. has changed quite a bit. It's now like 40,000 kids, which is insane. Um, mm -hmm. And then after that, I guess what made you kind of get in... Get into the web side of things. I mean, you just, <laughs> that's like I'm like, wait, you did so, French, so I, did yeah, business, so it doesn't, but doesn't quite make sense, does it? I found I found out very recently that um, my my mom, um, you know how sometimes moms keep all of your like school materials growing up, and when you take I guess the SATs, they uh, make you declare your major, or they they offer a spot for you to declare your major, and and if you want to declare it uncertain, then you might fill in a couple of other things. So I go to Texas State, and the reason I graduate with a French degree is because I started with uh, journalism, or mass comm. Very same as me. And then, hi. Hi. And then, hey James, how you doing? <laughs> and then um, switched to uh, like poli sci. Um, I switched like four or five times, and then I transferred to UT and went into interior design. And then I transferred back out, and my parents were like, you need to graduate, I am done paying for this. I love you, mom. And um, and dad, and uh, and so I asked my advisor, what can I graduate with? And she said, well, you've got about a year left if you go spring, summer one, summer two, and fall of French, and then you'll have a French degree, because I took it as like a side yeah. the whole time. Yeah, so, and so you just were like, okay, I'll, I'll get it. it I can get the diploma. It was super default. Yeah, it was super default to yeah. just get out. Um, I did that too with geography. Well, ended up double majoring because I just took geography classes because I liked it. Because you were like, hmm. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take this as an yeah. elective or my, my my minor. And I just kept taking classes. And they were like, you know, you're only two classes away from a major. And I was mm -hmm. like, why not? We'll put a bow on top of that. Let's <laughs> just make it happen. Just get it. Let's do it. I kind of fell into it, but I loved it. It's same, same. And mm -hmm. so when I finished up with that, I, um, the guy that I moved to Austin for, he and I got married. Oh, we're still married today. We have two beautiful children, Aww. as we talked about. Yes. Perfect. It's super sweet. Oh. It's kind of like too sweet. He's amazing. <laughs> but it's like other people are like, stop talking about him. And, and you stayed in Austin. Mm hmm. So I'm you weren't. I mean, I'm glad, too, because there's only a few of us. So that's, I wanted to go, but he grew yeah. up military. Mm. And so he was really happy being placed here. And I was really ready to go explore the world. But. We just, we did it in a different way. We mm -hmm. did it through travel and not through moving. Um, yeah. So then you, I oh, guess, the, the job. story. Let's well, no, just the job, just getting into what might have just been a luck. I don't know. What, what, what no, 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 no. 
Yeah, it was all crazy. It was like temp jobs and that fell into like working for a, a computer software company that was in the same building as a dot-com. And then I fell into dot-com for a while. And then what year was this? This was in like 90. Let's see. I got married in 2097, 98, 99. That okay. kind of like those years yeah, were years all like just booming. mall.com shops.com. Mm -hmm. Like these were mine, um, that places that I worked. And you and everything was failing. It was like starting and failing, starting and failing, and just for bits. Like all of these companies that I worked for and got to see so much of how companies start, how they run, how they don't run. You learn a ton from failure. I I fail all the time. Still, just did this week. Like big time bomb, and um and you you learn from that and you keep on going. And so I got to see a lot of that, and then um. I did they did the, the businesses fail or did they just yeah, the dot com the dot com yeah that you, you get you get this huge investment and then they might go big they might mm -hmm. everything was like they go lost, IPO. ran on a runway or they either lost runway or they got pulled in you know bought by somebody else or whatever it was and so in that career path you jump around a lot and you mm -hmm. get a ton of crazy experience really fast and then all the experience kind of stopped and the bust the full bust came in two thousand one. Yeah, right in there. Right after right nine eleven and mm -hmm. a little bit maybe a little bit before. Mm -hmm. And it all came. And all of a sudden, one day, I was an, what I call an unaware volunteer. So it means that I was working, and I was going to get a paycheck after my little two weeks, and no paycheck came. And it's because they ran out of money. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll go do something else then. And I started a soap-making business. Oh. Yes. Because once you get into that startup mode, like, if you like it, you really, really like it. Like, you don't want to go work a humdum drop for anybody else. You want to just keep it, keep that adrenaline going. And there was another woman at that same company, Christy Price. Hi, Christy. And um, she was a designer, and I was a strategy type person. And we developed a product and marketed it and built a website because we could and knew about e-commerce websites and eventually sold that as a small business. Like, not as a big business, but as a very small business, sold it off to a friend. And it just kind of kept going like that. And eventually I realized that all of the different places that I had worked, it looked like I had this crazy pockmarked resume of insanity. And it looked a little bit more sane if I put it under the umbrella of being a small business consultant. And so then you just... Oh, well. So I built Brass Tax Consulting. The other businesses were my, my clients. I used that as my jumping off point and I helped I help places like Double Dave's franchises and all this kind of stuff, like help get their books in order or help get their marketing in order or help figure out about their websites or whatever it was. Marketing so and stuff like that. Marketing, yeah. everything. So I figured out, again, ins the inside scoop of a ton of different companies, t like uh, fire prevention companies and like stuff like that. Literally, like putting the sprinklers in. Mm -hmm. Like different companies, seeing the insides of them, how they ran, how they worked all of their bookkeeping. I knew how to do all the bookkeeping. I knew how to do all the marketing. And this one guy named Terry Mitchell was leaving Dara Horton and starting his own real estate development company. And he needed help from a small business startup consultant. And I started helping him one day a week that turned into three days a week, that turned into five days a week, that turned into five years later. Like I was with him, his right arm and half of his brain helping get my mark development going. And he is one of the most passionate influential, dedicated people in Austin trying to figure out how to make Austin not implode from having this much growth, mm -hmm. but actually do it well and properly. And he is this phenomenal person that mentored me and taught me 
and showed me how you have to grapple with the needs of the residents, with the needs of the city, with the needs of your potential customers, with the needs of geography, with the needs of topography, like to figure out how to make a development happen mm -hmm. that wouldn't get lambasted. And when 2008 came around and real estate went bust, I saw the writing on that wall and I'd already seen the writing on the dot-com wall, right? Like I'd already done that. So I saw the same thing coming. And when dot-com bubble burst, I thought entrepreneurs, I saw entrepreneurs pop out of it, like really smart people. And when I, when I saw the real estate bubble was going to burst in Austin, um, I thought now is a really good time to start a creative agency, an advertising agency, because Austin was starving for a sophisticated, savvy group of people that weren't so big that their bills were so high and weren't so new that they couldn't actually help somebody either. Mm -hmm. And my business partner today, Sean Thompson, who is the best business partner in the history of ever. Ever we've business been, partners. Oh He's, he, gets, he gets the cake. Yes, he gets <laughs> the cake. He, we've been business partners for more than 10 years. And, um, and when we have bumps and bruises, we, we just weather that storm together and he's incredible. And so and this he is look, was, think, make. This is look, think, make. This is my today advertising mm -hmm. agency. And he, I was his client when I was at Momark. So when I was in real estate development. What developments were, were you working at at Momark? So we had a lot, to, a lot of urban infill developments that some people might know. Chestnut Commons, um, McMorrow Cottages, uh, Westgate Grove. A big project is Plum Creek down in Kyle. Mm -hmm. um, and then a very tall project is the Austonian. And so a lot of people know about that one. Um, wow. So that, that would have been what? Oh, eight to 2010. Today, really? I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. still, yeah. And, um, and so when I left, when I left Momark and said, you can't, like, I see what's coming. Keeping me on payroll is not nice to, to do to you. And I'm going to start my own agency. Terry said, we would love to have you as our agency, which is a huge compliment. And so Sean and I partnered up and launched Look, Think, Make, and we each put $25 in the bank and crossed our fingers. And Terry, as promised, turned around and Plum Creek was our first client. And we helped rebrand that and bring, bring um, a, co a cohesiveness between the commercial part of Plum Creek, which is actually a giant mixed-use development. It's a 2,200, it's over 2,000 acres. This place yeah. is enormous. My parents live there. It felt like originally a very <laughs> mm -hmm. small... Uh, just houses and you didn't realize if you were part of the, the original neighborhood and even when the, where the schools were that um, that the two main roads that kind of intersect was at the inner as was the heart of Plum Creek that all of that land was Plum Creek and so we repositioned it Sean and I working with the development team repositioned it brought in a lot of the the cachet for commercial and now ACC is there. Now different apartments are there. Now retirement complex is there. They just opened up a there. new development with, uh, I believe, a Texican cafe and some other things yeah. right next to the golf and course. And it's just been, yeah, we helped reposition the golf course. We we were a part of all of that, working in lockstep with Momark, Benchmark, and um, what's now Oxford, or what was Oxford Commercial. Sorry, guys, now I can't remember the name of your new company. Cushman Wakefield. Sorry, Brett. Got it. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> and um, We'll edit that part in. <laughs> and so all of those things kind of came together, but we were the ones that were caretaking of the brand itself. And we did a really nice job for that. And so we have Goodnight Ranch, which is in Southeast Austin now. 
Um, we work on the Crossvine, which is in shirts. We have uh, projects in Louisiana. We have projects in Florida. We have projects in Fredericksburg. Now we are very uh, adept at real estate positioning, real estate marketing, commercial, residential, urban infill, parks, open spaces, Barton Springs. So Barton Springs Conservancy is one yeah, of our clients. Yeah. yeah. So it comes full circle. Did you tell them about the story? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. JJ Langston, who is so beautiful and wonderful and amazing. She was the ED for Barton Springs Conservancy. Um, when it was very just in its infancy. Um, she's now with Andy Roddick Foundation. Um, but at the time, I was like, let me tell you about Naked Ladies at Martin Spring. Like, Actually, let's fix that. <laughs> no, let's keep that no, there's 100%. A, there's many other five-year-old girls that are having that same sort of experience. It's, the, it's like a great epiphany to say, hey, this is the human body and all of its glory. And Martin Springs is like one of the last holdouts, I feel like, where people can go a little bit on natural and nobody oh, yeah. will frown at them. No, it's like, it's it's Austin, too. It's, 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 it's core. truest form. Okay, so... Do you know about the XYZ Atlas art project? No. So Jennifer Chenoweth, who's an artist here in Austin, she, a number of years ago, put together um, a pretty long-term, very extensive art project. And what she did is she interviewed, um, she would, she would, she built this sculpture and she would set it down in different public spaces, which is very eye-catching and she's an artist and people would come up and she would have a map of Austin kind of like staked, like, on the ground and people could walk through this this map-ish and they could place where they had certain highs and lows emotionally in the city. If people had breakups, if people got murdered, if people did terrible things or wonderful things or had heartfelt moments or whatever it is, but very emotion, like strong emotions. And she mapped that to the city. And then she took that map and she took it all and uh, pinpointed it using a GIS system and, uh, and then did a topo of it so that if people, and then, and then took the emotional uh, color wheel, Pochnik, I can't remember how you say his name, but there's an emotional color wheel. Mm-hmm. And she, she took the emotion of the wheel, of the color, and the pinpoint of where you felt that emotion, and she, she topographically showed where highs and lows visually happen in Austin. Mm-hmm. She builds this, this map of this. And, and unsurprisingly, Austin has a giant, this might be an expletive, I don't know, hard on right over Barton Springs where it's just like this huge <laughs> like bing of all of the joy and all of the happiness like just shooting out yeah. of Austin is right over Barton Springs. It's where people fall in love. It's where they heal. It's where they get reinvigorated. It's, it's where they holistic. celebrate the new year. Yeah, it's holistic. It's where they can see when you're in the water. You can look over downtown at the same time but be in someplace very mm-hmm. natural. Yeah, it is Austin's favorite place in the history of ever. And she took that insight and that learning and has used it to work with city planners and developers, not only in Austin, but in College Station. And even in, um, she got a, a artist in residency in Philadelphia. Yeah. Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow. Yeah. Well, she moved away from. She's back. Oh, she's She back. did a residency. Yeah, she That's did a good. residency. She imparted her knowledge and her wisdom and her her beauty and expertise there and she's back in Austin and she's got a studio in the east side and she is yeah the and east she side was, is growing a lot too. it's growing it's, a lot. It's and insane. she was one of our clients as well that's great well what uh so how is it working with the city I know it's and deal, dealing with all the regulations Austin's growing so fast we've already talked about that mm-hmm. in terms of just the growth and the skyline but is it difficult to work with getting yes. things approved yes is yes. there is it and everybody knows it and the city knows it and yeah. they are just as frustrated by it because they they want to control growth but they want to allow for it because if you don't then you end up with 
what we have now. You mm-hmm. end up with congestion. You end up with a lack of housing. You end up with affordability problems. You end up with all of these things that are horrible for a beautiful city. But if you allow it to go willy-nilly, then you have sprawl and you have um, buildings that are built too quickly and too shoddy and, and all these types of things. Mm-hmm. So it's hard and it's a process and it's hard for people to navigate the process. Um, and it means that projects move a little bit more slowly and it means that it's going to be hard to catch up with making things affordable because we are like 60,000 units shy of how many homes we need in the city to accommodate all of the people. And if supply and demand dictates, it means that 60,000 we don't have enough of. Mm -hmm. So the ones that are here are going to be expensive, which means property taxes go up, which means people that have been in their homes forever and ever and ever can't afford the property taxes because their land value is so valuable now. They get pushed out. Gentrification happens. Mm -hmm. People get frustrated and angry. Growing pains. It's pain. when It's not just, yay, it's growth. It's pain. Very painful. Yeah. And it's... I like being on the side of being able to understand that and I like being on the side of being able to help people tell their story and position it and and help them build projects that are going to be meaningful and long term in the city, places that people will want to spend time at and not just, you know, if it's if it's an office space where they have to like unzip their humanity to walk into the office. Um, We want them to keep their humanity on and be able to make the office a place where they can be themselves and we're just outside of the office. It might, you know, be right outside the door. The fairground is one of our clients too. So fairground is a place where they wanted to make it an 18-hour location for downtown. Office space meets, right. um, kind of bar by night, sandwiches by day. It's kind of like a marketplace. Park. Yeah. yeah, like a park at the same time. And I remember um, Andy Smith was the was the leasing agents at the time, one of the leasing agents at the time, and he said he said he wanted it to be a place where if somebody came in to Austin for like a layover, for a four-hour layover, where would you take them so that they could experience Austin? And so when you're at Fairground, you can experience local food. You can experience the energy of downtown. If it's at dusk, you could experience the bats because they're right there. You see the water, so you see the nature. You see everything kind of juxtaposed together in that one Go place. to South Congress and do some shopping. Yeah, in the you're just day. like you're right there. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. It's it's a great spot, and honestly, the the great part about it about that area is, like you said, it's it's local. I mean, everything. Yeah, and, and that was all. And that's something Austin's really design. big on too. Yeah. So it's it's it's. We a love lo- our homegrown yeah. homegrown brands for yeah. sure. And uh, with with the growth that you've seen, which is insane, you've been able to see possibly like the biggest growth of any city in like the past hundred years maybe I don't it's a lot I mean it's grown just in the past 10 years maybe 24 percent um yeah Austin is is a 10 percent year over year growth and it has been kind of since the beginning but 10 percent of you know a million is a lot more people than 10 percent of when I got here of 250,000 yeah and the Austin metro area is over 2 million people now Mm -hmm. and you don't think kind of doesn't feel like it is because it still feels small but then it kind of feels like it is when you go to a festival and you literally can't move. Yeah. <laughs> when you just have to like put butter on yourself to get through a crowd. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the whole that's the the butter is a part of that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You haven't really lived unless you've been you've been rubbed up by a giant beer belly and a guy with a beard, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's Austin. Austin. <laughs> that's Austin. That should be the new the new brand for for Austin instead of no, instead no, no, of no. Austin's no. weird. I backtrack. I backtrack. <laughs> Actually, it might get less people to move here. So. Oh yes, I go forward. I go forward. That would be interesting, though, to put together a campaign that actually deterred people from Austin, because I don't think I don't think you could come up with one. 
Not right now. People yeah. have such, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful place and, and it's an interesting place and it hasn't lost that yet. We did, um, we were, Look, Think, Make was asked by the city. They gave, they uh, did a RFP for a grant and said, we've got some money for anybody who can come up with the best idea for how to encourage tourists to go to local businesses when they're here. And we pitched our very best idea, and we won the grant. And that's weird. When an agency wins a grant, you don't have a client. The city wasn't our client. Like the city, I should say the city council wasn't our client. Right. And the CDB wasn't our client. We were now asked to hold the whole of the city in the palm of our hands and try to define what that is and try to capture it and try to tell tourists the best place that they could possibly spend their time if they're going to be here for a day, a week, a month, and not be a farmer's guide and not be Yelp. How did you do that? <laughs> well, so um, the first thing I did when I saw the RFP was I called Nick over at the Chronicle. He's he's like the head honcho at the Chronicle. And I said, hi, my name's Patricia Buckholz and I have an idea and you don't know me. And he was so nice. He was like, tell me what your idea is. Just lovely, lovely person. And I said, um, this RFP is out. And I would like to propose, like originally I thought, let's do like a let's do like a vote on what you think is the best while you're here idea. And then I was like, that's stupid. The Chronicle already has done that for decades. Yeah, they do that every year. For decades. And so I said, if we get this RFP, could we have your like last three to five years of all of your best ofs? Because what we don't want to do is make it about Yelp reviews. We want to make it about local people who love the things about Austin. Right, not like people that are maybe here from out of town that had a bad experience one day. The bachelorette parties that come through here on the weekends, or like five stars out of you know fifty people might give it five stars, and then you have two bad stars, and so now you're not sure anymore. Mm -hmm. We just wanted like a curated list of locals saying this is what we love, and the Chronicle has such a beautiful depth of that, and so we 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 started there, and then we asked like Austin Monthly and Tribeza and other like local publications for their surveys and their best of, and that was like a start, right? We were like, okay, let's take this and let, let's make this into an interactive website where if you show up and you're like, where should I go right now? It could say, you're right here, and here's 10 things around you that you should go check out based on what local people say you should go check out. Yeah, versus following somebody on Instagram, and this is an influencer who's like, oh, this is a cute Paid spot. Paid to do it. I got my avocado toast. Avocado here. toast! <laughs> oh, avocado toast! Oh. Like avocado toast. Uh, there's a few yes. restaurants that do well in that, though. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so we took that. Our PR team had the brilliant idea of also looking for, um, like, so Austin, I don't know if you know this, but Austin has eight or ten or something, something crazy, um, Chamber of Commerces. Huh. I think we have, I think it's eight chamber of commerce. So we okay. have the general Austin chamber of commerce, like the business side, but right. then we also have like the black chamber and the Hispanic chamber and the LGBTQ chamber and the South Austin chamber of commerce. And it just kind of goes and goes and goes. And then there's also, um, a group called the Austin independent business Alliance that creates IBIS districts. And so they, they try to build like a coalition of people that are local businesses and they help, um, they help build awareness that you are in a local district. So you're not like, don't Dallas my Austin, so that you're there and experiencing it. So we were able to work with them as well and get their like, they do they do Armadillo Awards. So we got their Armadillo Awards. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. we also looked to all the leads of chambers 
Um, there's an Asian American Chamber of Commerce, right? So there's like all these different chambers and got them to give us their favorites. So it's not, it wasn't about Look Think Makes Favorites and it wasn't about Yelp reviews. You pulled in, you pulled in your own pull of data. People. You did it on your own. It yes. was grassroots. All these, so we reached out to like 250 different people and had about 100 people. And we had people from all over Austin, from all the different districts, from um, which Austin used to have districts, but it does now, which is kind of weird. Um, from kind of all different walks of life. Anybody that anybody that we could say, please, I met some of the most incredible people reaching out to different groups and saying, we want to hear from you. I don't need to hear just from, yeah. you know, the influencers and the avocado toast. I want to hear from you. What is your what is your place that when somebody comes to town and wants to visit you for business, for family time, whatever, where do you say that they should go? And we were careful to build that map to where it's all 10 districts. It's up right now. It's called atxloves.com. The city of Austin gave us a grant, enough money to run a 90-day in-market promo. What'd you run it on? Uh, all kinds of platforms, digital platforms. There's a Radio, chance that you TV, were part of that. Or, Honestly, yeah. the Q1 was part of that mm -hmm. because yeah, there was a big digital platform, and and we targeted like people who were about to come, people who were here, and uh, and then people who were trying to invite people to come. Did you do that on social media? Was we it did social media? Yeah. We did all kinds of stuff, but it was only in market 90 days. That's that's the most money that the grant had and then and it was the most time that they gave us we had five months one month to prepare and build a website build a brand build the marketing figure out all the media buy all the media do all the insertion orders because we did boots on the ground too, bus wraps all kinds of stuff downtown signage all this sort of thing um and we had three months in market and then one month wrap report wow but we still have it like we still have ATX it's still Labs. there yeah the Chronicle, we can update, we built it to where we can update the database. We can maintain it very easily. We can still tell people where they should, you know, what they should visit when they're from out of town and where they should go. And, and I think that it would be awesome if the city of Austin or the CDB or somebody took that and kept kind of blowing on the coals of that to get it to light and to get it to ignite. Um, Local Lore is a, a group from here that does this type of thing, mm -hmm. but, um, and they do it for multiple cities, which is really kind of nice. So if Local Lore wanted to, to take it and use it as this like tool and a toolkit that's kind of ready to go because I, it was, it was beautiful and it was well done and it's there and exists. And but just you need can't, somebody to, to keep turning, the, needs somebody, turning the key. Yeah, truly just to keep like letting people know. Yeah. So you don't have to guess. What was the most interesting project that you worked on? If it wasn't ATX Loves, I don't know what it was. Uh, <laughs> Come on. Didn't I just go for that? Didn't I just do that? I swear well, you I have just some did really, that. The, the Austonian is a massive project that would have been. It's a massive project. Mm, it was. Um, it's probably it's, one of the most recognizable buildings in Austin. I agree. Um, the Independent is also one of our clients. So that's the Jenga it's the Tower. It's brand new one. Yeah, it's the new People one. People are mad about the fence, the crown oh, on top. Oh, God. Don't yes, get me crown. about the crown. <laughs> The crown of the Jenga tower. Um, yeah, what's the deal with that? So we didn't develop the logo for those of you one. that don't know. There's a crown or a, f a fence structure on the top of the new building, and it's a cool building. It looks like a Jenga. It looks game. like a Jenga building, and you'll yeah. see it. Aust people come to Austin, but it's there's a top part that I think was originally supposed to be lit up, or is it supposed? To, it's I know it's not done yet. I I, I believe yeah. it actually might. Is it done? Done. Okay. See, that's and it looks thing. it looks like a crown of thorns, <laughs> yeah. kind of, for a very shiny, beautiful building, and it's a really cool building. Um, we were a part of. Uh, we didn't name it, and we didn't develop the logo, but the branding, the ongoing branding of "Declare Yourself Home," and kind of letting people own the fact that they were going to be in a very unusual building mm -hmm. was 
was how we contributed to largest, that largest uh, condo it's east the tallest, of the Mississippi yes, or, west or west of the, of the Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. yeah, the largest high rise west, of, the largest residential only high rise west of the Mississippi. And the reason I know it's I've that I've used that fact several times. That it was the Austonians' claim to fame mm. for so long. And they were our client. And then the independent comes along and like, we're going to say that we're this. And we're like, please don't say that you're that. And they're like, nope, nope, no, nope, we're going to say it. We're like, okay, just go ahead. Fine. It was all over the signage. And it was I would tell people, that. Like, really, I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, that's what, they, is, yep. what they said. I don't know, is it true? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like sheer measurement from ground up. You're like, yeah. And it includes everything from the tip of that thorny LA. tower, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and they're totally different brands. The Austonian was interesting because at that time, there wasn't another thing like it here. And so when you're trying to teach people about something new, especially in Austin, whoo, they don't exactly take it lightly, right? They don't, they're not just like, oh, that's, that's change and it's a gajillion dollars to buy. That sounds great. We should bring more super uber wealthy people to town to raise our property taxes. This is the best idea ever. Yeah, what, was, what was the response to that? Because um, I mean, it was we, actually like, good. The hippies and yeah, it was actually really good because um, at the time doing the doing the community relations on that and doing the PR with that. Um, what I loved is when the Austonian was one of the Chronicles best ofs. It received a best of award. Did it really? It did. Best of what? Um, and I can't remember what I would have to look it up. Hmm. But I'm gonna have to fact check you on that one. Yeah, please do. <laughs> and what I love about it, and why that was so crowning achievement, is because the Austonian, when it was doing, when it was growing, and we were doing it, we were promoting it. We didn't promote the Austonian. We promoted everything community around what it would be like. Because living downtown in, in a residential environment wasn't very common yet. There were definitely a few, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the most common thing to do at that time. It was relatively new. So we spent a lot of time promoting local festivals, promoting the small businesses. Uh, the Austonian developers uh, preserved that ground floor where the where the yogurt shop is now, like the brick and everything from mm-hmm. the building that was there before to put that in. Um, pulled in the locals to try to be a part of that. Um, looked for local artists to fill up the building. Um, worked with Austin Art Garage, which is Jake Breyer's the owner of that, and Joel Ganeshow, and they have this amazing place, Austin Art Garage, where they look for local artists, original art that is not that is like it is very attainable. It's not $10 art, but it's not $5,000 art. It's like $500 art. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's 2,500, but it's like here and it is local artists. And so the Austonian got filled with art from local artists and, and was a true um, place that celebrated Austin that wasn't just like, mm, we're above. Like it wasn't about being pretentious. It was yeah. like, I would like to have the choice to live in a downtown luxury Austin high rise. Good for you but I would like to do it in a way that is absolutely part of the city and part of the fabric of the city. And they pulled that off. Well, when you look at, they put the name of the city in the in building. The so it, it, it's gotta have that. I know, but it's like, but I think, but there's also like the Houstonian and yeah. we're the Austonian. So it's like, so people can take that any different way that they want. And there's the name and then the, there's the brand, but then there's the fulfilling the brand promise. Yeah. And I think that they did a good job. Over you know, a very long period of did time. Did they ever realize that's actually Austinite? Oh, not Austonian. <laughs> I know. You know what I think is really funny? It's like, now I'm an Austonian, and you're just like, actually, oh, you're an Austinite. Oh, it's an Austinite. Yeah. But, but wait, there's that building that's called the Austonian. I know. It's but if it, you live there. It's only in that building. Yeah, it's only if you live there. <laughs> then you're an Austonian. But everybody else is an Austinite. So we, for Good Night... Um, for Good Night, which is uh, 700 acres southeast Austin, that mm-hmm. is going to be... a 
Miller Mueller light, like affordable yeah. place, but very considerate of being mixed use and walkable and all these sorts of things. A lot of thought process is going into that. They, um, they have. Is it really called Mueller Light? No, no, no. no. Oh, that's that's good. what I say. Miller Mueller. Mueller Light. Miller. It's like Miller Light. That'd be like, really good. Bum, bum. Are you allowed to do that in, in the podcast? Oh, we'll so, add that uh, later. <laughs> and post. So, um, Austinite, Austin, and then NIGHT. Mm. Because Austinites yeah. can happen at Goodnight. Oh, that's so it all kind of tied together. Pretty clever. It is pretty. It's pretty fun, yeah. and it's turning into a nice place too. That's good. Yeah. So what new? The Festival of Good is coming up. Oh yeah, I heard. But tell us a little bit about that. So I, I oh, I'm gonna get the date wrong. I think it's August 24th, and um, because we had a massive rain out. Remember when like huge storms were coming mm-hmm. through? That was supposed to be that weekend back in like. Where is it? May. Uh, so the Festival of Good is is in is on in in Goodnight Ranch. Mm-hmm. It is um. You will see tons of signs when you go down there, which is uh, take slaughter just east of I-35, and you will be in the middle of Goodnight, and then you'll see all the signs for where it is. And it'll be local vendors and um, a a day of fun put on for free, totally family-oriented, tons of people that are going to be out there. Uh, Austin Public Library came out. Austin Pets Alive came out last year. So, like, you get your puppies, and you get your kittens, and you get your books, and you get your fun stuff. Um, There was a... All kinds of stuff that happened last year that was so stinking fun. Tons of food vendors. All the food was free. Like developer, good night. Paid for it all to just make it a really nice community event that anybody in the city is welcome to come to. That's really cool, and that's a, kind of a big deal whenever you're going to open up something. Is that that is an every year thing? But when you open something up, you do it might have be. an event. I mean, in Plum Creek, they still do uh, mm-hmm. their front porch days, and they've been doing that now for like ten years. And you promote all of that through look think make wow. And Plum Creek, we don't have, like, we worked with them for six years. Um, and so then it was time to kind of wrap it up and, and let them go on. But Good Night with their Festival of Good. I mean, the team that is behind Good Night, Terry Mitchell is on that team. Dave Mon is on that team. And they are from here and care a lot about this mm-hmm. town. And they don't want to just build houses and walk away because they're not the home builders. They're the developers of community. Yeah. So they plan and plot everything out to figure out a way to bring people together to build community to where it's sustainable. Is Austin's growth too much, or is it, it, it? Do you feel like it's work? It is what it is. Yeah, and there's nothing. I mean, you can't stop this bullet train, mm-hmm. and it's never going to slow down either. I mean, we were supposed to have a huge slowdown in 2008. We didn't. Mm-hmm. It like it instead of being like 10 percent year over year, it was like eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's our big slowdown is to not grow as fast as we grew the year before. No. Yeah, there's no way that since the beginning of time, and what uh, and we're small, we're still super small mm-hmm. compared to Houston, Dallas, San Antonio. Well, right? we're the tenth largest city in the nation. Austin is. We are still super yeah. small. Yeah, compared. Yeah, well, Houston's four mil now. It's re- yeah, it's ridiculous. like we have so much room mm-hmm. to go, and that is evidenced by Google, Facebook, Indeed, HomeAway, all these Amazon, all these people, Apple, coming here setting up shop because they know that this is central to the United States, brilliant, a population of super brilliant people, a lot of uh, innovation all around us, um, good taxes, cool vibe, people want to come. And, and when those big, big players come, more bigger players come, more bigger players come. Like we are only on the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. of that. Did you see the new Google Fin building that's coming out? I have not. Yeah, Tell me. Interesting. It's like forty stories. It looks like a sail fin, like oh. a like a, a sailboat. Yes. Uh, fin. Or like I feel like yeah. I did see that. 
Yeah. It's and ridiculous. now I'm like trying to like. They're going to take the whole building. I'm trying to put the Austin Business Journal pictures in my mind right now and like flip through them in my head. But I feel like, yeah. It's hard to keep like, up with through. these days. I there's know. so many that come out. And you're like, oh, there's a 70 story building that's being built yeah. on 6th Street or yeah. something. And uh, it's going to be a mixed use business slash condo. And you're, it's insane. I don't think it. I think when people do move here and spend some time here and then move away, they can move away for two years and then come back and go, And it's a completely oh different place. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be restaurants, bar district, business area, mm-hmm. it could be shopping areas. It's mm-hmm. like, whoa, this was not here two years ago. It is. I went down East 6th Street yeah. towards a counter cafe. Mm-hmm. And normally, living in Miller and working on um, East Cesar Chavez, I would come, I would approach things further east and come mm-hmm. towards the center. Springdale area? Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, kind mm-hmm. of like, so coming coming from further mm-hmm. east, coming in. Well, I was in a different place, and so I came down 6th Street to meet a friend at Counter Cafe, and there's all these brownstones on the left and the right, these apartment complexes yeah. that look like brownstones, like you're in New York, and I was like, I was like, I haven't really spent a lot of time in New York, but this is weird that this street right now feels a lot like New York. It's Brooklyn-esque, or it's very... So bizarre. It's, cra- it's crazy. So I go in to meet my friend, and, uh, and my friend Courtney is there, and she she lived in New York for a number of years, and I was like, Courtney, am I wrong? She was like, it feels like New York. I was like, I'm not wrong! It felt like New York. No, it, it so does. So bizarre. No, I, I... And I had never seen it before. I lived at the building on East 6th, called the Corazon. It's the first mid-rise there, but it was five years ago, and half of my building was from the East Coast. <gasps> and I was just like, this is interesting that a lot of East Coast people want to move here. Like, live gravitate on towards the east this. Side. <laughs> yeah, it feels more like... It's like, like this feels like home. Like New York or something. But yeah. I've made some, met some great people, you know? <laughs> but they were... It's very, they they're embraced, not from around here. I think that's what it is, though. They embrace the lifestyle in mm-hmm. Austin. People who do come, for doesn't matter where they come from, they do embrace Austin and, and go, well, I, I love the culture here. And that's why they, they, they're going to keep moving. They, that is why they'll keep moving. And they're moving from places where things are even more expensive than Austin. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel expensive to right. them. It's the people that are here that are going to get displaced. Yeah. It's the people here that are going to get frustrated. Yeah. So what uh, new things are y'all doing at Look, Think, Make to, I, with the amount of marketing that's changed over the years and PR and just trying to get the word out there, what is it that you guys are, are trying to, to do to, to keep your name of the brands that you're working with in on the top? So there's, oh, I mean, my favorite answer to the question like that is it depends, mm-hmm. right? It always depends on the brand. Some brands, like real estate brands, they're not moving brands, right? Like they're literally on a geographical corner of something and something, and they're not gonna not be there. And it's not like it's a restaurant that's gonna come and go. Like that house, when it gets built, is gonna probably be there for the next 50 years, yeah. maybe longer. Please, no sea rising, <laughs> right? So right. so we are not trying to to market to the entire universe. We're Mm -hmm. trying to market to very, very specific people. And that's our approach for everything that we do. Mm -hmm. We want to figure out, and everybody says this in your advertising, you look for your target audience. Well, today with digital media, you can look for your target audience. You can look for it so creepily that people are like, my privacy is being obliterated. (laughs) And you're like, well, actually, you put your information like a in here. Georgia peach there. So, uh, my bro, <laughs> heavens be. Yeah, and you're just like, well, you actually put your information out there so that uh-huh. you could only receive information on what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these channels that you can be really, really specific to target the just right people to keep budgets as low as possible. But here's what I think is interesting. In digital media, it is so inexpensive that anybody can do that. So a lot of times you can't tell, like, I don't know what your Facebook feed is like, and I don't know what I've been clicking on, but I have weird stuff that I know that these are like, 
as seen on TV kind of things. It's like the as seen on TV world has figured out about Facebook. Mm -hmm. And so it's all this like, buy this new heel insert so that your heels can be so comfortable. And all of these um, comments, like a thousand comments and you scroll through it and you realize that most of the comments are not misspelled and they don't say you with just the letter U. They say Y-O-U. And you're like, that's not how people write on social media, which means that a lot of this, there's like a whole farm that gets paid to write the reviews about the product as a whole marketing tactic. And that whoever is selling this like heel insert, this, oh my gosh, top of the chain heel insert or soda saver or, you know, all this stuff that's like really bizarre. And um, you don't have to have any kind of quality to be able to achieve that marketing mm -hmm. to a very, very specific client base. You don't have to be of any kind of quality. Or you can do influencer marketing where you have so said person has a million followers, they might only have actually ten thousand, and they farmed out their their likes or the other the yeah. other the other hundred million <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy nine hundred ninety thousand yeah of yeah. people yeah so it's very hard to kind of navigate that, but what I think is interesting is that brands who are local at minimum, um, and and it doesn't have to be local. There's lots of different ways of doing it. When you sprinkle traditional advertising in with your digital, whether that is pulsed, whether that is at launch, whether that is seasonal, um, you are validating and building credibility with your brand to whatever that traditional media outlet is. And that credibility factor, other people are not going to pay that money because they're not real. And they need to be cheap, cheap, quick, in, out, and done and have your $29 bathing suit sold and if you have a meaningful brand that needs to have long legs and a long life, then you need to mix those, you need to mix your media. And if you want people to have validated stories and even more credibility, you need to not just do self content because it's, it's all about you. And of course you're not gonna say anything bad. You need to look for PR mm -hmm. to be able to have third party information being displayed about you in real publications that more are than just to ratings the and reviews. More than just ratings local, and reviews. Local, it could be yeah. Ratings local. and reviews can be purchased now. Yeah, and traditional and PR, aggregated or mm -hmm, traditional PR cannot be purchased yet. Advertorials can, but not mm -hmm. traditional PR, not journalism coverage, and traditional media buys are expensive enough to where you're only going to be up against and with another breadth of companies, businesses, advertising that are also of quality and value and worthy. So you have narrowed, you have narrowed your reach. You have gained a higher, a far higher quality of looky-loos mm -hmm. than any kind of digital marketing could do. Should you kick digital marketing to the curb? No, <laughs> because that's just that pulse, right? That's the pulse that says this is quality. This is, this is something I could use. Validation. Now, when I go online to go make my purchase or to do my due diligence, I need to have that same experience spun into it. And it's got to be pretty cohesive. It's got to be very consistent. There's a whole sales funnel to make sure that people can make their purchase without any kind of roadblocks going up so that they don't feel icky when they're trying to buy something like all of those things need to come together. And so we focus on proper and, and uh, there are agencies that do this and do this well. And um, we are a small agency that does this and does this well. Um, sometimes smaller agencies might be very good at, at graphic design. We have design strategy digital, public relations, social media, all at Looking Make. We farm out videography. We farm out photography. We might farm out scouting locations, that kind of stuff. 
but we don't farm out keeping the brand cohesive, the story really, really cohesive, so that no matter if somebody comes into you digital, PR, non-traditional, point of sale, if you're in a physical space, that the whole entire thing feels quality. Yeah. The whole time. That's something that's been taught for 50 years in the advertising space, but now we Clients just have more. Clients don't always know. They don't. And, and they think digital is the way to go solely because it's inexpensive yeah. and they can track somebody, their start to their finish. I think there are certain brands that did get in at the right time and and capitalized off of. 100% yes. Just the digital, maybe yes. social media. So let's just think of that. Yes. Social media side and they capitalized. Now they're doing TV advertising and it's, it's a valid business. They did really well in it's, that. It's almost like the food trucks. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a food truck and it's really, really, really good in quality, it's inexpensive to have a food truck relative to a yeah. brick and mortar. But if you're really good, you can jump it to a brick and mortar. And if you're really good, you can franchise that brick and mortar or expand it to multiple locations. Like it's kind of that same concept. If your brand is quality and real and customers like it, you will grow. Yeah. If you, if you have dialed into what they're mm-hmm. asking for, you will grow. Exactly. And if you haven't, you might get your quick sale for a little while if that's your mm-hmm. tactic, but you need to know that your quick sale is hot and done and you need to have a plan for the next hot and done and yeah. to keep that going if that's your business model. Yeah, it's insane. I was watching connected, I watched, I had cut the cable, I'm connected TV watcher and I was just watching TV and a, a, a Turo ad came on and then right after that, uh, which Turo's the rental, Car. It's like the uh, Airbnb for cars. Okay. You can rent cars, but mm-hmm. from people. And then the right after that was just another a shoe brand, Allbirds. That's you know, bit started on Instagram, just advertising, mm-hmm. and they're bigger now. They have and you're like, whoa, these are using traditional. And every that's so weird. Yeah, well, it's not traditional technically. It's still connected TV, but they're if, doing if targeted. That's their that's, that's their new traditional. That's, that's their new traditional, and yeah. that's the way it's heading. Yeah, uh, which is an, uh, interesting. Nielsen talks a lot about that. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that. Those brands, they're newer and they're filling up the airwaves now mm-hmm. where the traditional brands. <gasps> you know the one that I thought was really funny? Uh, it's not MailChimp. Who's the other one? Uh, Come on. Monkey. Constant Contact. Uh, Constant Contact. Yeah. Constant Contact does uh, advertising on the radio. Mm. That's on, interesting. On, and like KUT. Wow. I was like, so a digital email marketing platform. Yeah is doing advertising for itself on a traditional marketing channel. We'll have to get our, we'll have to get them on our podcast to sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) We've already, we've already done it. So thank you, Patricia. (laughs) You're now, you're now our uh, PR person for the queue. Let's do it. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us here. Honestly, this has been a lot of fun talking to you. Yes. And as as another Austinite to another, uh, let's just keep rocking this thing. Yes. Keep keep Austin weird or, or don't get rubbed by, wait, don't get rubbed by the, no, get rubbed by a, a, Beer, but by buttered beer to beer belly in a music. <laughs> that's exactly that's the epitome of awesome. <laughs> buttered beer, beer, beer belly. That's, <laughs> that's hard to say though. We, we'll have to work on that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a good one. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media. Q1 Media partners with agencies and brands all across the nation for all of their digital marketing needs, whether it's CTV, OTT, location-based mobile device AD targeting, search engine marketing, targeted display, research and data that you might need for your clients, whatever it is, Q1 Media can help with all your marketing efforts. Uh, so yeah, please check out Q1 Media's website at q1media.com. That's q1media.com, and you can view case studies, examples of our work, or even check out episodes of The Q, the podcast, Conversations in Digital Media. 
Thank you for listening. You're in the queue.